Hey all you cuties, Zach here. I've got a personal announcement to make and I'm pretty excited about it. On September 22nd, here in Portland, Oregon at our personal address, Bree Golden and I will be getting married. We've been engaged since before the pandemic and we are so excited to finally be bringing our union together officially. That being said, there is an open invitation to any LU cuties to attend the reception. It's going to be open here at our house and we would be more than happy to see you there. All you have to do is join the Discord and send me a direct message, and then I'll send you the information. It sounds like there's already going to be a fair number of cuties there, and I am so excited to see it. We're not really looking for gifts, because we basically have everything we need. But weddings are expensive, even backyard ones, and marriages even more so. We also only recently bought a house. And as much as it pains me to say it, I've been unemployed for a while now. LUQ pulls in enough money for me to pay the cast and the editor, but not so much for ourselves, and Bree has been working pretty much completely free, despite the amazing quality of her maps. Obviously, we don't make the LUQ for the money. Financial success would be amazing, but I'm not holding out a lot of hope for it. And I don't feel amazing about asking the community for help. But if you love the show and you love what we do, it would mean a lot to see support from the community as Bree and I enter this next phase in our life and as LUQ moves into Season 3. If you want to make a personal donation to help us pay for the wedding and the honeymoon, you can do so on my Venmo, at ZBarkus, that's at Z-B-A-R-C-U-S, or reach out privately. To clarify, this isn't for the show. It's for me and Bree. And I checked in with Law and the cast to make sure they were okay with this personal appeal. That being said, if in your heart you've always wanted to join the Patreon, but you just haven't found the right time, I think now would be a good time. Right now, Law and I are working really hard to make sure that Season 2 ends well and Season 3 begins well. And while joining Realm has been a fantastic experience, we haven't really seen a lot of advertising revenue. And probably won't for a while. Even as little as a dollar a month makes a huge difference. We understand that not everybody is in a position to help. And we never want anyone to feel bad for enjoying the show for free. But if you're one of the dedicated listeners who checks in every fucking Monday... We want you to know that $5 a month from each of you would be enough for Law and I to live on. That's not an exaggeration. Being unemployed means that luck has to take a back seat while I look for opportunities to earn and do my best to take care of the household while Bree acts as the only earner. And with Law working obscene hours and barely making enough to hold his apartment, and the inevitable burnout of four years without a single episode missed, it's getting harder and harder to muster the kind of energy it takes to make this show. To those of you who already support this show, we cannot thank you enough. It has been genuinely a life-changing experience to have so many people show their support, and being able to pay our cast and pay our editor means so much to us. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Again, if you would like to donate to the wedding, you can do so on Venmo, at ZBarkus, that's at Z-B-A-R-C-U-S, and if you'd like to help out the show, please go to patreon.com slash slapdash studios. Thank you for your patience. Let's get you back to the action. Unfortunately, Maven won't be able to make it today. However, I've been briefed on are all... Are you freaking kidding me? The local leagues are on the brink of riot. The fans are starving for content, and these locals can't meet the demands. And now this Darkwood nonsense has yokels burning forests if the leaves smell funny. Please, Magister Petrax, we are doing everything we can to get the Axis League up and running, but... But the Magical Union of Laborers won't let you force its people into unsafe conditions. Let me tell you something, Junior Undersecretary of Administrative Incompetence. Your little satellite's got able level threats popping up every other week, and I got guys with only associate maguses and rune work doing your defensive matrices and playcraft, because you can't wait a week for our journeyman. The work needs to be done. If we can't hire outside of the union, then... You bet your ass you can't. But if we can't, then we need to... I'm sorry to interrupt, but I need to hear more about these able-level threats. I'm Sintilis Everves. I'm here for your audit. Yes, Madam Everves. I'll be with you in one moment. We manifest as three genders throughout our plurality, but we prefer either the masculine or they-them pronouns. Also, the correct honorific for a plural of my stature would be iteration effervesce, but it's a common mistake. Of course, iteration... Uh Please, just one moment. No, no, no! EXPN has had this meeting on the books for weeks! You're not bumping me for this paper pompadour! Our ratings are in the toilet! The only spike we're seeing is when the fallow crown is on scry, as if there's anything but! 
Plus, we got one host leaving and the other who can barely tie his shoes, let alone anchor the show by himself. Everybody, please. I'm sorry, but Maven is unavailable. I'm happy to fill their shoes, but I need to deal with these issues one at a time. Hey, have you seen Maven? I'm getting some wild readings in Kamaras. Not now! Alrighty. Let's start with the local leagues and scale up from there. It's that time of year again, that is to say July, that is to say hot as fuck month, and right now we've got some smoke coming in, and everything sucks, but we're going to have our air conditioner on because we don't want to die. It's supposed to be 96 degrees today, and I'm not excited about that in this heavily insulated room. We did it once in season one and never again. Yeah, and frankly, these mics are fantastic, and they're usually good at cutting things out. We do a good job of keeping the audio down, but just in case you do hear some weird chugging and whistling in the background, that's either law or the air conditioner. (laughs) Just remember, every episode i'm gonna take off another layer of clothing yeah regardless of the temperature yeah you can't have dnd without ac (laughs) (laughs) thank you all for being patient and uh we hope you like the episode (laughs) it's all right it's all right you're fine you're fine you're not there (laughs) well you are still there technically but you're not there now well you are there now but now isn't important if that no no warning no warning i asked you that's different is my leg okay? It it isn't. Well, this one is. Great, right, new. Oh, were we supposed to see that as well? Uh I forgot that y'all weren't the same thing. It, understandable, so, I guess. Yeah, this is the problem with things like team names. Is I start to get confused because I just assume you're all the same guy. So everyone saw it then. Wusha, small arms wrap around you. I thank you. Those people were so mean. Yeah, we've had to get used to it. It's uh not easier each time, but somehow it keeps happening. I'm so sorry, Busha. For the record, I'd just like to say, I feel like I'm less guilty now. I'm glad you feel that way. Well, now we understand why you have so much distaste for pirates. I got distaste for wormy biscuits. I got distaste for eating sand. I hate pirates. I could have sworn I've seen him go out of his way to eat wormy biscuits, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) This was a very personal experience, Wusha. I, you know how many times I've been exposed around you people? Never like this. I'm sorry, Wush. That was a lot, but it felt familiar in a way. Did anyone else? None of you know him well enough. I swear I felt Tongaroa there. That explains the weird shit he said to me back in Toa, and establishes a pattern of your people not fucking helping me out when I need it. At least I got one useful thing out of all this. Tongaroa is from Toa, but he's not an Asamara like me. He's close to a god. I think he may have been trying to help you, Woosh. He should have tried. He he should. Guess he could have tried harder. You are the child of a profaned ocean. The byproduct of the Darkwood. We believe there is a possibility that you were the first introduction of the Darkwood into the League. And that, potentially, you have been inadvertently spreading it. Another thing I didn't know about. Put it on the list. But this is what I'm most afraid of. This is why we must do something. I believe that the Darkwood is a manifestation of a very old enemy. I do not know if you follow the past of the League before it became a cosmic force. Hal looks very intently at what's about to happen next. Some of you may have heard the story of the Mortal Dawn and the luminary that they fought. I read an analysis. (laughs) Those are like dad quests. (laughs) (laughs) The battle with the luminary was longer than we could have possibly imagined, but 
it was not the only time that it made itself known. It destroyed my homeworld, the homeworld of the dragons. But she did not do it alone. She had emissaries, creatures that acted on her behalf before her coming. You know one of them. Maven is an entity that spawned from the Luminary. I believe that he has been orchestrating the League's path to enable him to bring her back with its power. So the Darkwood is tied to the Luminary? No, it isn't. Excuse me? I'm, I'm so sorry, Sensei, but he is not tied to the Luminary, and neither is the Darkwood. Thank you for your opinion, Rain, but frankly, no, 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 no. I believe this has gone on long enough. We have been together for some time, and I have watched you drive yourself mad with this quest. And I am glad you did. If it weren't for that, you never would have discovered the nature of the Darkwood. Uh, These people might not have. There's so many things that wouldn't have happened. But it's time you understand the truth. Rain waves a single battle-scarred hand across her face as a simple white ballroom mask appears. I am so sorry. You cannot understand the regret. Stop! No! Not this. Please. Sensei. No! Do not call me that! Do not take her form. I am not taking her form. I am her. I always have been. I had to change what I was to become something you could trust. I am so sorry. I never intended to hurt you. I, I, I just, I just wanted to... No, please, get away from me. Do not call me sensei. That is an honor. It is trust, and I cannot. The commissioner stands over shaky legs as his body begins to buckle. Rain rushes to help him. Get away from me. Do not touch me. I I can't... I cannot breathe. I cannot breathe. He pushes past her, runs through the open door, onto the courtyard. There, he collapses, breathing heavy. Rain runs to his side, ignoring his request, and attempts to perform some kind of medical aid. But it's too late. The commissioner is dead. But as his eyes snap open... Golden light begins to pour from them. The body is sundered in a cascade of light and shadow, and from him erupts a great gold dragon, which ascends into the skies and disappears over the horizon. What the fuck, Rain? Rain, this is a lot. A lot to handle. I think it's best you leave... I think we are adjourned here. I'd like to speak with the Fallow Crown. The administration departs, one by one, by their own means, some walking, some calling taxis. But soon you are left alone with Rain Fallen Foe, or Maven. What are you? Who are you? Too simple to explain, unfortunately. I'm sorry to have deceived you. You have to understand I never meant to have it go on this long. But needs must. But why? I needed to know that the League was in good hands. I couldn't control it. Not truly. It would have been too much of a risk. I can't be certain I'll ever be free of what the Luminary was, but I do know that I can put protections in place, things to make sure that such a thing never happens again. My reasons are my own. But they were good reasons. If you know that this luminary creature is not tied to the dark wood, do you know what is? No, but I know it's worse. You have to understand the luminary is a part of our ecosystem. It was designed through change and exposure. It became part of our world. And it was killed and ended by creatures in our world. But I'm not convinced that's possible with the Darkwood. This doesn't... 
I don't believe it's a plural. At least not the way we understand it. How can it not be a plural? I... I'm sorry. That is a tough nut to swallow. (laughs) I don't know. Because I'm not a god. I'm not all-seeing. I'm not omnipotent. I am a creature. A living, breathing creature just like you. I was shattered. Fragmented. I am a plural in name only. Iterative now. Much like Johan. For me to say that it's not a plural is entirely a guess. What I do know is that it's not something that we understand, and it's not something that fits here. It's something that is spreading, like a disease. Well, if it spreads like a disease, and we have learned that intent is dying, these are surely hand in hand. Very much so. It's important that you note that there is a difference between a plural dying and the source of that plurality being destroyed. Doug, the scion, is dying. Intention, as we understand it, is dying. But intention as a concept still exists. Only the manifestation of that concept is dying. And we don't know what that means. Oh good, I thought it was the only one. Are there others like Doug who are also being struck low? Absolutely there are. Entire swaths of fey worlds wiped out. The manifestation of them destroyed. There are other iterations, but there is no guarantee they'll survive. Penny, Nelly, Penny Dreadful, they're one example. If she had been allowed to truly destroy Eudaimonia, there's every possibility that you would have started to die. The same way that Doug is. Too many questions. And no answers. So what are we meant to do? Why were we chosen for this? Because of him. And she gestures to Iavos. Part of the reason you were chosen is because that is what fate decided. We saw it. Well, intentions saw it. They knew what was going to happen. But you were also chosen because of your associations with the Darkwood. To one degree or another, we knew what Gaspar was. We knew what Wusha was. We knew the direction that Ethel was going, and therefore we knew what Hal would one day become. But you, you were something we didn't anticipate. When you walked into Zenith, we believe that you were guided by something greater than yourself. An urge, uh, an impulse. We don't know why. Well, that, that much is true. And if it wasn't me, it might have been Ophidian, and then it all would have gone in the same direction anyway. Indeed. Except you might not have survived. And I'm glad that you did. Me too. But you, Yavos, were the most important. You were the catalyzing factor. You were the thing that drove all of it. Because we believe, I believe, that the Darkwood is sourced on error. That's its source? I suspect. It's the only thing that tracks, both according to time and causality. It's the only thing we didn't anticipate. It began to spread. Everything began to spread through virtue of the League, at least we suspect. Wusha's integration, etc., but... The Axis is something more, but we can't know for certain, because we can't get close to it. But I am the lesser of all of us here. (laughs) Lesser and greater are concepts you have to let go of when you start dealing in questions of plurality. You are not the lesser, but you're also not greater. But you are more important to this quest. It feels queasy saying that word. The commissioner kept telling me that he felt like I was part of error, that I was perhaps from there. We believed when you were first brought here that you were tied to error because your soul was there. That's what brought Isvet here. With the help of some enterprising magic technicians, she was able to discover the location of your soul, and they didn't anticipate that it would be here. So when you came, it was the perfect opportunity. She had to come to us in order to get information, to get a passport to be here, and... We were more than happy to aid, in whatever way we could. I don't... I don't understand error. I know none of us do, but is anything there real? Everything I experienced was a lie. A beautiful illusion waved before my face. It was not a lie. At least not the way you think of it. And error is not an illusion. It's very real and very tangible. We can prove it. All measures say that it exists. It is real. You are not imaginary, and neither is the acre or the things that you saw there. 
but they might not be your version of real, which is limiting. Your sense of reality is bound entirely by the physical phenomena that you expose yourself to, but you yourself saw, inside of the ether, inside of the astrum, all of those things begin to fade, lose their significance. They become more heavily subjected to our opinions and perspectives. All you did was interact with a part of the universe that doesn't have tangible elements. Or perhaps it does. But that dream is all I had to draw strength from. The only reason I was able to keep up with these young gods and plurals and reborn entities, and if they were just simple farm folk, it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't, does it? It seems like it would, and it kind of does when you really think about it. When you try to put information together, it starts to come together in a loose, vague pattern, but it's hard to feel confident in it. None of it's going to be satisfying to you. But that doesn't matter. What matters is the fact that you, by all rights, are connected to error. That you experience this dream, this part of the astrum, and that's what dreams are, folks. They're, they're parts of the astrum. When you dream, you're reaching out into the universe at large and finding something, conjuring ideas, imprinting your own opinions and perspective onto the plane or phase that astrum is. You didn't create the acre. It found you. And we note that it found you when you were sickened by the Darkwood. We just don't know why. And we don't know the connection. Is it possible that the Darkwood that you saw in your dream was a part of the Darkwood that is destroying everything? Maybe. Or maybe it's just your mind manifesting those ideas physically. Maybe you have always been more powerful than you believe and you did create the acre. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And I can't help you. I wish I could. All I need to do now find out what's real and what's not. Looking at all of his friends. Good luck. I still haven't quite gotten that pinned down yet. But I believe we might have run out of time. As she says this, a small ship approaches. As it lands, a creature steps down from the top. This seven-foot-tall boulder of a thing looks like a living fortress. It is almost as wide as it is tall. Its glistening shell is rough and ragged. Its skin as tough and leathery as armor. It is marked only by a few gray lines and scars. It bows its head to you as it approaches, its wide brow lit by bright, bright blue eyes. It opens its mouth, a massive jagged beak, reaches into its pocket, and pulls out a handful of nuts with shells on, and begins to crunch them. Hello. I'm here to take you to the inquiry. From Doomsday to Dashi, this is Major Image with Aspen Vancaster. Citizens from all over Zenith, especially those near Doc Lambda, had quite a scare, as a Class A military warship bearing the markings of the God Hunter Battalion took to port early this morning. Commoners and criminals alike scampered to hide any shred of wrongdoing from their homes in fear of the Silver Citadel's private police force. But they have bigger fish to fry than gutter guppies in the Zenithal slums. To everyone's shock and relief, one single transport sloop disembarked from the battleship towards Akrataria, and shortly after, the king-sized killing machine raised anchor and took off to the nearest extra-large ring gate. Who knows who they're after, but no one's willing to get close enough to find out. If that wasn't enough, reports are coming in from all over the satellite that a massive gold dragon has been soaring in and out of zenithal airspace, scaring kids, inspiring artists, and starting a few small religions. Zenithal defenses haven't raised a finger to inhibit the dramatic dragon's dangerous dance, and it clearly doesn't seem to be the target of the god hunter tourists. I like metallic dragons as much as the next kind-hearted wizard, but that doesn't mean I want one flying over my picnic. And finally, the grand reopening of Zenith's best-kept secret, the hole-in-the-wall noodle house, known only to locals as the poorly translated Fine Noodles Yes Bowl, is here. Those in the know are lining up to once again drink deep the fishy sweet soup and suck back the rainbow of juicy noodles from this incredible chef and crew. But if you go, don't tell them I sent you. I don't want to be responsible for that place closing again because everyone wants a taste. Come to think of it, forget I said anything. 
This has been Major Image with Aspen Vancaster. We're about to witness a planar phenomenon, a keyhole between worlds that only marketing can penetrate. Join me as we glimpse into the adverse. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. It's hard getting older, especially when you're over 4,000 years old. Just because we're latched together by the strands of timeless eldritch magic doesn't mean we liches don't need a little help making it through the day. Tell me if these ailments sound familiar. Back pain, stiffness, insomnia, hip maggots, jaw rot, resting lich face, misplaced limb, irritable soul syndrome... Clerics, socket funk, catacomorax, vecnal conjunctivitis, tome spurs, finger loss, staph infection. Sounds all too familiar, doesn't it? Sounds like it's time to reach for a lich's best friend and start your morning with a dose of phylactaid. Put a little kaboom back in your tomb with new extra strength phylactaid. Hail, you cuties! Did you know that all porcupines float in water? Things are really heating up on a major scale for the Fallow Crown as we dive into the deep end of the Season 3 story, and we hope you're loving it as much as we love playing it. But that wouldn't be possible without the support of Patreon. If you join the Patreon, you can get a whole mess of bonus content to use at your D&D table if you want to bring some of the magic of LUQ to your home game, including stat blocks, maps, magic items, and more. Our current Patreon legendary mid-roll teams are the Twilight Concord, the Forgotten Legacy, the Ceaseless Horde, and this week's featured team, the Titans Rise. With Christopher Mashburn, Dylan Hoyt, a.k.a. Meat Dad, John Reinhardt, and Lizaris. To get a personal message read on the show or for possible advertising opportunities, reach out to admin at slapdashstudios.com. Be sure to follow our YouTube channel to see new episodes of the LUQ streamed every Monday night hosted by Dana and me and Zach's ongoing Pokemon Nuzlocke's midweek. I've also been playing Radical Red version 3.1 about five days a week earlier in the day. So join us. And you've no doubt heard that Season 3 is on the horizon. You've also been teased with a promo for Dungeon City, and you've probably noticed that we had a feed swap with the Backwater Bastards to help cross-promote our shows with each other's audiences. We'd love to do more signal boosting and receive the same, so be sure to mention us to your favorite shows, tag us on social media, and say hi in the Discord. We'd love to get to know you. The cast is very active there. That's enough out of me, let's get you back to the Battle Axis. Hello there, it's me, your comrade for communing across the cosmos, Divinathan from Scryco. Scryco offers you a baffling bevy of Peepafar products, allowing you to stare, gaze, and hear think all over the multiverse. But sometimes when you open your third eye for too long, the dang thing gets all stingy and full of cosmic particulate and dimensional dust. That's why we're introducing a new product to help wash bathe your mind's eye flush and fresh as a farmcock. Introducing Clare Eyes, the clairvoyant cleanser. No more tangy and tainted arcane oculuses with this miraculous and almost affordable juice jug. For dry red mind's eyes, Clare Eyes is awesome from Scryco. 
We clean what you have done. The giant turtle creature standing in front of you is dressed in simple linen clothing, tailored specifically to suit one with such a massive shell. He looks around with kind of a bright-eyed and relatively patient glance and looks at each of you. Wait, right now? We we were about to have supper. No. Soon, though. I'm just here to make sure you have everything in order. Hello, Rain. Grimmick. Fellow Crown, meet Grimmick Cragback. He is a representative of the Godhunter Battalion. He's here to make sure that, one, you don't try to skip town, as it were, but also to inform you about the nature of the inquiry. The fact that they have a turtle to chase people down if they try and run is either very dumb or extremely terrifying. <laughs> Good point. But um, you might remember a fable where the turtle gets his quest in the end. That's where the terrifying part comes in. Persistence is a virtue. And frankly, I've never met the creature that can run long enough. Are we to be escorted off in cuffs then? No, not necessary. I'm here to help you with anything you need taken care of and make sure that you get there comfortably and in a timely manner. Hmm. You've got the next day. Do what you need to do. Get your affairs in order. It's important that you note that (laughs) you might not come back. But I'm sure you're used to that idea. So let me put a little bit of stank on it. Not only might you not come back, there's a chance you'll come back wrong. Or that you might not exist after this. So make sure you got everything sorted. Can't get much more wrong than I already am. And I lost my appetite four or five questions ago. See, that shows a lack of imagination. And then he grabs another mouthful of walnuts and crushes them all. Uh, great. Another thing I don't have. I gotta go see a sand about a tusk. <laughs> don't leave the satellite. Uh, what if that's exactly what we need to do to get the thing we need? Then I'll escort you. That's fine. Turtles are good at digging anyway. Rain, you keep an eye on the rest of them. I'll go with this one. The rest of the evening and tomorrow are yours. And I wonder what you'll do with them. Rain. Yes? I feel like we should do something for the commissioner, but he didn't really leave a body behind. Yes, he did. You saw it leave. Well, right, but he sort of passed on from one form into another. Indeed. Would he want us to, I don't know, deliver his wheelchair somewhere? <laughs> what the fuck happened? <laughs> I don't think he has any attachment to his mobility aid other than its usefulness. But if you mean, should there be a funeral for him? Yeah, I think that's what I was going for. I'm a bit scrambled at the moment. I imagine that's something that if he wanted it, He'll find the time to do so. You are right, though. That body was important to him. For him, it was a a symbol of his quest to stop his foe, me. And I think it was too much for him to hear the truth. So leaving the body behind was inevitable. Gods. I've really fucked this up, haven't I? Did you really think that now is the best time to make that revelation? It was that or he keep trying to kill me, when you have far more important matters to attend to. Fair enough. No, you're right, now wasn't the right time. Uh, four years ago might have been a good time. Rain, ma- ma- Raven? Maine? You have to understand that when I took this form, I gave up what I was. I'm a different body now. So technically, Rain would be the appropriate form of address, but... I'll always be Maven, whether I want to be or not. All right. I have a question. What was the mortal Don like in person? <laughs> Problematic, in a word. They were difficult at every turn, some of them even threatening my life on numerous occasions. It was a complicated relationship because I valued and loved them, 
And I don't think they ever felt that. I don't think they ever understood that. They might have known it. They might have been told it. But most of them, I suspect, always assumed that I had some kind of emotional distance. I didn't. I would have given anything for them. But that is what it is. But if you mean how they are individually? Well, Arvid was warm, despite the cold that he came from. Kind and considerate. He was exactly what you see on the scribe, because, frankly, he wore his heart on his sleeve. He never was anything other than exactly what he put out. He, I wouldn't say he lacked depth or complexity, but he didn't need them. They were affectations that could be shed. He loved wholly and completely, and seemed to believe in family where most of us just saw friendship. Well, Artyom saw friendship for sure. Harithax was difficult to know, largely because they, well, I don't think they wanted to be known. Mystery was part and parcel to their whole being. That never stopped them from making the jokes, though. You got plenty of that. I think when I told them that they needed to be a better performer, they thought that meant make more jokes. And so you got a lot of it. A lot of it. But I think that was their way of relating to what mammal life saw as friendship. Chris, well, I won't speak on that. And, <laughs> Artyom. Artyom is an asshole. Pure and simple. You can't be raised evil and not be an asshole. And I think, in the end, I didn't like him much. But I did love him. He... He was a perfect example of somebody trying to do better and failing. But on a long enough timeline, they turned into successes. They just didn't look the way we wanted them to. He was brash and dangerous, and often got everybody into trouble. But it was trouble they needed to get into, and he was worth having around. He was a good leader, but maybe not a good person. We had that in common. Is it true that Artyom kept butter in his pocket? You know, he kept a lot of things in his pocket. And I think butter was one of them, but not regularly. It became a joke, didn't it? At one time. You wouldn't believe it's not butter. <laughs> I, I've i just heard that that's when the popularity of, of pocket butter products exploded. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's one thing to keep a, a loose handful of, of cream in your pocket, and it's quite another to keep a small tin of flavored butter, just in case the situation calls for it. But yes, he kept butter in his pocket. As a whole, they were good. I think individually they were complicated. And in the end, well, in the end there was an end. And that's the hardest part, isn't it? Coming to terms with the end. With the impending return to Abel, Gaspar is going to hunt for a feeling. He's going to go to the training rooms and run simulations, bringing forth a version of himself, the one that first stepped into the Axis. The environment becomes that of an Abelite neighborhood. The simulation is tasked with hunting me down in a crowd and isolating me. I play along. I fall for a distraction, head into an alleyway. And when the simulation takes its shot, I want to effortlessly dodge it and fire an arrow back into his heart. I will run simulation after simulation, even giving my opponent magical items, companions, situational advantages, but it will all end the same. Overwhelming victory for me. Nice shot. Thank you. I mean, at this point, it feels like abuse. It's not fair. It really is. Why, I wonder? You've never struck me as someone who would fight a weaker opponent. This isn't so I can feel or become better. I want to know that I have become better. Before I was captured and exiled for my transgressions against my society, I tried to resist. I tried to run, but there was no chance. I want to know now that I have become what I had feared then. That way I know I can match up. She approaches you and places a hand on your shoulder. 
and then pulls off one of her rings. It's a simple silver thing. She takes your hand and slides it over the glove. It shifts to accommodate. I designed this back when I was afraid that the luminary would come and take me. Turn me into something else. Make me a part of her again. It was this technology that we use to synchronize the antiheroes. Abel is designed to allow plurals to exist in the same place at once. But that doesn't mean they can't choose to reintegrate if they want to. This will make sure that doesn't happen. Good luck, Gaspar. She turns and begins walking away. Rain. Yes? Thank you. For everything. I did my best. I hope it was good enough. I almost actually slipped away from the group even before the stories about the Mortal Dawn were done being told. Mm -hmm. And even in passing anyone around the manse while he's about just milling almost absentmindedly, putting away things in the kitchen as though he's worried they're going to spoil when clearly he's not. His eyes just passing through you. He wanders off to his office and writes a very quick letter with postage to the Isvet that simply reads, Dear Sister Isvet, every memory I have of you has helped me learn what love is. And if I don't see you again, know that you'll live on in my dreams. Then I go to Penny's room. I don't even knock. The door is ajar. Peer my head in. You find Nellie sitting in a hanging chair. Her room is coming along. The bookshelves grow upwards into the beginnings of living trees, and she's painted a myriad of designs all over her walls. But currently, she seems to be poring over an old textbook. Basic spells. It looks like it's from 60 years ago. Ah, the new edition. (laughs) (laughs) Iovis' eyes pass over the murals, and it looks like his lips want to curl into a smile. And there's a little joy in his eyes. But it doesn't last. He reaches to his face and takes off his spectacles. My dear Penelope, I believe that these are going to help you with some of your newest gifts. I never had to attune to them because they belong to my father. The same should be true for you. Much to do, yes? So many gifts lately. Are you sure? You can still use these. I don't need to look through lies anymore. They don't matter. I'm going to look like a nerd. (laughs) (laughs) Despite saying this, her eyes are wet and she hugs you. It feels... It feels more like hugging someone's pillow with their scent on it after they've left than the true warmth of their body. Are you okay, Papa? And as you ask the words, you realize you didn't need to. The glasses tell you everything you need to know. Iavos has mentally separated himself from reality. He's going through the motions and looking at everything with doubt. Trying to find something real. As this happens, your Laurel's ability activates. You can see his knowledge and who and what he is. And you can reach into it and pull out what you need. Pick a spell. (laughs) My spellbook at two spellbook. (laughs) (laughs) Don't mind if I do. I almost reaches his hand out and fingers the velvet of your horns just a little bit, as though he's testing their existence. And there's a half smile as he looks in your eyes. They look good on you. I knew they would. Ugh. Water's blacker than I remember. Grimmick, you been to Skanawi before? Bless you. Don't think that'll help. <laughs> no, I've never been to Skanawi. Seems nice, though. He used to be nicer. I believe you. Wusha's home plane, Skanawi, is a massive ocean dotted with mountainous islands. These islands have thick and heavy forests and growths all over them. Not jungly, but verdant and blooming. However, wherever these dark waters touch, 
the forest starts to curdle and go wrong. The beach they pull up to is gritty. Heavy grains of sand, not something smooth and powdery, and is near to volcanic black, save for one pallid outline vaguely resembling a human form right where wave meets sand. Well, that's the spot. Or at least that's the first spot. See that big rock over yonder? Uh-huh. Right under that. Exactly what I'm looking for. You ready to put those big old paws to use? Well, yeah. What are turtle hands called? Do we call them paws? Hands, I think. You ready to put them big old hands to use? I mean, it's been a while since I dug any holes in the sand. But what the hell, I'm on the clock. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to head over to a large, pitted, scarred rock whose rough outside has not been smoothed by the sea. Walking across the beach, avoiding the water to the best of their ability, they approach a rock that looks almost like a half clamshell, but rounded and thick about the edges. It vaguely resembles, if you squint and try really hard, a mother cradling her baby. But the baby is a twisted collection of cockles, barnacles, and muscles that grows on her midsection becoming more and more distorted and unusual with the corruption of the dark wood in the ocean. Right at the base of it, there's a part where the sand is piled higher, and Wuxia starts to eagerly throw clumps of it into the water. There's the digging part. It's the digging part. All right. It drops to his knees with a heavy, heavy thud, and immediately begins just scooping away vast quantities of sand and mess. Whoa, 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 whoa. Is that how you're digging? Don't know any other way. No, 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 no. Here, you stand up straight, you spread your legs apart, you bend at the waist, and just shovel it behind you. You know I'm a turtle, right? Turtles ain't got waist. They dig. No doubt I'm doing. All right. (laughs) I could hit my crotch on a speed bump. (laughs) But, uh, no, I'm a turtle. We know how to dig. Suit yourself. Digging through, there are occasional artifacts of Wuxia's past, things that were abandoned here when he underwent his change. He fishes out an old, cloudy bottle and goes to shake it around, hearing sand shift inside. Oh, we're making it extra chunky these days. <laughs> Tosses it into the ocean. A few old coins and medallions that have no value anywhere anymore. And eventually, they hit the bottom of an overturned rowboat. Oh, there she blows. My old maid chest. We could have got you a boat. Oh, it's not the boat that's important. We can punch a hole right through that. It's what's in the boat. Fair enough. He lifts his hand and breaks a hole in the boat. Never gets easy to see. (laughs) (laughs) Prying away what wood is left, resting under where the boat would have been, is an old corpse. Mostly taken over with barnacles, growths, clams, crabs pulling at it. How illegal is this, what we're doing here, just um, for clarity? You see, on Skanawi, grave robbing ain't never really been that much of a problem. You have a dead, you chuck him in the sea, you leave him on top of a mountain. Fish eat him, birds eat him. If you're lucky, both. (laughs) (laughs) We got some mean seagulls. This bloke, though, I left him with something important. Oh, also, first person I ever tasted. You have Goliath meat before. Yeah. Terrible. It's an acquired taste. I like things chunky. Maybe we should spend less time together. (laughs) (laughs) Clutched between the bodies, long decayed arms, is the golden tusk that Raiwa, what became Wuxia, was killed with. It's a fine horn. Tusk. (laughs) What are you planning to do with that? As he says that, he reaches to his back and pulls off what you thought was his shell, and realizing it's a giant shield. Oh, I ain't got no problem with you. <laughs> Long as you don't try to eat me. <laughs> I guess I'm not a Goliath anymore. Have you tried Furbolg flank? No. Oh, let's keep it that way. Too grassy, I imagine. I am herbaceous. I'm going to reach down, pry off the corpse's arms, and pull the big tusk out. It crackles with a little bit of energy. Just the distant sounds of thunder when I put it back into my hands. 
He reaches his left hand back and pulls off the second shield. You're extra safe, aren't you? Don't worry. I got nothing in this for you. I don't want to hurt you. This is for me later. Didn't figure, but it's something pulls out a weapon full of magical crackling, and you just tend to think, probably should grab my shields. Oh, but where were those when we was digging? (laughs) (laughs) Fair. I don't want to take up too much of your time, and I know we don't know each other too well, but can I ask you something before we go? He puts the shields back one at a time. Sure. I'm going to be asking you plenty of things soon enough. That's fair. You ever lost anything important? (sighs) Not just misplaced. Not just forgotten about. Proper lost. Not short-lived creatures, Dortle. You could say I've probably forgotten more things than you remember. Oh, that's a race to the bottom no one wants. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate the honesty. I'm not sure this will fix anything, but it sure will go a long way when I try. (sighs) I hope you're right. Because that won't help you where we're going. いらっしゃいませ。どうぞ。飲めさまですか。あ、うん。大丈夫。あの、金龍様と話さなきゃ。お、すごいぜ。That's an awful lot of soba. Can you do that slurping thing with your beak? I I expected you to kill me. I, I would have deserved that. You have every reason to be hurt, and believe me when I say I I never meant to. I'm sorry. Why did you do it? Because I couldn't know if I would ever truly be free of the luminary. Therefore, I could not be the commissioner for so dangerous and powerful a cosmic force as the League. Certainly not one centered around the Axis. I needed to make sure that my responsibilities were purely administrative. But more than that, I needed to know that the League was in good hands. And more importantly, that those hands could not be compelled by the hypnotic force of the luminary. That's when I found you, a survivor of Selvarax. But I knew you wouldn't be fooled by an illusion, so I had to change what I was at my core. Live a new life. I found a plane with an accelerated time stream. I became rainfallen for, for, for a while. I, I lost what I was. It was your teachings that made me whole. I did not anticipate that I would come to regard you as a teacher and friend. I couldn't have anticipated that I would come to love you as a father and a divinity. I know our friendship is at an end. That we cannot go back to the way things were. But I need you to know that there was never a moment in all of our time together that I would not have laid down my life for you. And that is still true. If it would grant you a moment's peace, take the vengeance you sought for so long. I vowed I would never let myself be destroyed so long as there was work to be done. But I have faith in you. My taste buds have changed. I'm sorry? The Soba. I will miss the joys of my mortal body. Couldn't you simply change your shape? Become what you were before? We cannot change what we are, Maven.
turtle good. Introspective big boy times. <laughs> big boys on the beach, digging up boats and horns. Mm. <laughs> I just imagine Nelly wearing these glasses and just walking into a fucking wall. <laughs> <laughs> they're, not, they're not prescription magical brain glasses. I really These don't help me read at all. <laughs> It wasn't my scene, but you were when you were like, I'm going to look like a nerd. I wanted Hal to be like, too late. <laughs> <laughs> a new bookish penny is just like, hmm. So. Off to jail. I'd space jail. I'd love to hear. Space court. I'd love to hear some feelings. I'd love to hear some thoughts. How do you feel about what happened there? Let's start with Angelo. Ooh, I mean, the Maven reveal. That was a very delicious. The, there wasn't any verbal reaction to it, and that kind of bummed me out. But I'm also like, that moment deserved to be like just left in its own space. Oh, uh, to be fair, I didn't recognize what character you're talking about until you explicitly said it. Ah, uh, and as, I was trying to figure it out. As soon as uh, he said, "This has gone on long enough," I went, "No, you fucking didn't. <laughs> no, you no." And then for a second, it looked like I was wrong, and I was like, "Oh, did I miscall?" And then it, it, it goes like, "Maven," and I went. Holy shit. <laughs> but that was all internal. Yeah. Sometimes no reaction, and, and not in like an audience recording perspective, but sometimes no exhale is more dramatic. Yeah. That's an honest fair. response. I, just, I definitely got not. the stunned silence feeling. Sorry. Yeah. That's, I was trying not to mess the take up was the only reason I wasn't <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> definitely most impactful for those of us most familiar with season one. It's really hard to have an emotionally weighted conversation with, with yourself, yourself in mm-hmm. live time. Like, it's one yes. thing if you record each line separately and then you add them together in post. Doing it live for an audience is fucking sucky. I was fairly impressed, Zachary. It was I, good, yeah. But which is also why, like, I think there was not that, like, we didn't want to make any interruption. Throw off your game yeah. like, there. You, you, were, you were in a space, you were, you were in the moves. Yeah. And, you I, know, usually when we're like, when it's two people goofing, mm-hmm. like it's easy to jump in as a third. When it's one person, not um, goofing. You know, you're having going, to like rethink all the line deliveries to make sure they fit. It's like yeah, that, deep. that can derail real fast. The, the worst thing like that I've ever had to do was having a an entire party secretly watching uh, a samurai and a woman he was in love with and literally having this like important, heartfelt, loving conversation. And it was just me for like a solid five minutes of dialogue. And I'm like, I could not be more uncomfortable than like romancing myself Mm -hmm. in two voices. Yeah. But see, then like for us to properly react, you would then have to leave spaces like a sitcom with a laugh track. Yeah. But it it wouldn't have it. Yep. Yeah. So it'd just be so so. Like, yeah, we we let you (laughs) you. like that's why there was, you know, no table reaction. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm, I'm well, glad Angelo had some reaction with like a one-on-one scene with uh, Rain slash Maven too, because I was gonna ask a question, but it was way better how it came out. I was just gonna be like, how long does one have to be Rain before they stop being Maven? That's a good question. But it really came up, and that's good because I almost was sad and didn't want to be talky. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was a bit like losing Rain. Yeah, I yeah, thought for a second a when he took the thing. ring off, it was one of the rings I gave him, I and I was too. like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> then he said it was silver, and I was like, "Oh, it's not one of the purple or gold ones." But yeah, for <laughs> his, for just a second, I was like, "Holy <laughs> shit, that's an artifact!" Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, I kind of wanted to give that impression though, because I was like, yeah, "This is no, something. This is something Maven forged for themselves yeah, 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 to yeah. protect themselves." And I'm yeah. like, "All right, learn the value of defensive rings." Yeah, I also wanted to set the tone that it's like, "Don't worry, there's literally no way you could accidentally end up being the same as you could. You won't." fuse with mm-hmm. your your other self yeah but i feel like that little bit was so packed with feelings which was uh, your, you. your request there um because one we're like grieving rain we're we have this revelation slight confusion then we kind of grieve the commissioner and then we're like oh no wait but there he is dragon flying off it's like it's hard to feel gone? bad like it's hard like, it's you, you relate with the trauma but it's hard to feel bad when you explode into an awesome dragon and yeah. Yeah. So from being a, an, an old man who Sick can barely get around <laughs> to a giant gold dragon flying yeah. through the sky yeah look there's Irish goodbyes there's draconic goodbyes <laughs> and one is much better than the other <laughs> more dramatic it's like I'm gonna go get a pack of cigarettes <laughs> <laughs> Dad never came back. It's like, but, but he was real cool. Breath weapon gives smokes a whole new meaning. <laughs> what a sad guy. I love the fact that in season two mm-hmm. of LUQ, yeah, you don't get a whole lot of season one throwbacks. No. It's its own thing. It's its own story. It's its own whatever. And and today, there was just a little, little taste 
little kiss, <laughs> just enough for the fans who have been there the whole time to be like, I am rewarded. I, I would oh, not yeah. have done as much, but Michael had the idea. He's like, would it be ridiculous for me to ask that? I'm like, because how would? No, that's a good. <laughs> that's a good way to go in this episode. I think it was entirely appropriate. At no point did it feel too like fan servicey. No. At- and it's it's a really cool way to like cosmically and non-linearly tie a gap between one party and the other just to like meet them through description for just a second. Absolutely. It's kind of fun. Just just the little nods to be like we we understand our history, we know where we came from and this is where we find ourselves now. And rarely is something like that pulled off that smoothly and that uh uh like naturally in in any sort of D&D adventure. I'm fucking die over here. Usually when that y'all was. are giving Favy Momos, it's each other's stuff. And I'm I, like... Yeah, usually you have to pull out your Favy Momo is something you did. But we're <laughs> like... No, we didn't do most of the talking this <laughs> <Yeah>. time. <laughs> my, fa- my favorite moments, it's got a little bit of Michael, it's got a little bit of Zach. When you two came together and, and started rubbing lore together, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean, we we all right over the benefited map. from your from busting that heavy nut or whatever it was that Dana said. <laughs> but what about the Thunder Tykes? I hear they were pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably going to steal Dana's Favy Momo, for which I apologize, but Law bestowing the glasses and then oh, saying, Yeah, Michael. I told you it was probably going to be. That was a really good moment this episode. And when he was like, I didn't have to attune to these because they were given to me by my father. So they shouldn't do the same for you. I was like, That was killer. Yeah. That was a good, yep. good line, good moment. I liked it. Plus, mechanically, they're really good for Penny right now. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do they do? Once a day, you get advantage on insight. Oh, shit. That's uh, what I, you use to relearn I, new spells. I thought it was at oh, will. Oh, no, yeah. It's, just it's, a, it's at will, but it's only in... I was mixing up with Opus. Yeah, it's only at will. It's at will, but it's only relative to the first time you meet somebody and their your ability to interpret Oh, okay. Them. Yeah, that's... Just um, assume you're going to have advantage on a lot of insight checks. Yeah. That's, that's pretty funny. That was another kind of early concept that, that we talked about. That ended up being a little overlap between Iavos and Penny, so I didn't go with it. But gosh, my... I know, I, I apologize for stealing no, yours, because I was pretty sure that would be yours. It's fine. My my favorite moment is is that we still haven't gotten to eat the soup. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you did. The soup's gone dry! <laughs> we kept referring to it, so it could have happened between the lines. No, we but... turned it... I remember we turned it down to a simmer at one point. No, I, I remember we we ate. I, I specifically said, like, after you finish eating, oh, okay. people start talking. Yes. But, yeah. Like, the Doug talk was after... I don't know. I like the idea that the soup is thickened into a gravy at this point in time. <laughs> it's it's like a great I know that was, when we learned more people were showing up, I was like, I need to make more soup. <laughs> uh, I thought I thought Gaspar scene was pretty cool. I, I always like that stuff. Raining endorsement. Kind <laughs> that of, one was pretty of. cool. It was, it was, pretty it was cool. cool. It was cool. It's kind of nasty. If, if I, I was actually thinking if I tried to fight all the old pennies, I think they'd beat me up. I was wondering whether or not I should say, like, I'm going to fight 100 duck-sized Gaspars. (laughs) (laughs) felt like it was a little too silly. In the theme of Hal, like, crossing through other people's scenes, I really wanted Hal to just walk through yours and be like, quit beating yourself up, Gaspar, and then just keep moving. (laughs) No, I'd be like, nah, help me beat me up real quick. (laughs) Don't do that to my friend. I mean... Uh, we've already covered most of the good emotional scenes and stuff. I got to say the new the new buddy comedy of Grim and Woosh. <laughs> <laughs> it feels good. I'd I'd watch Grim, it. Grim fam, Fandangler. <laughs> God damn it. What does it's that like, have to do with Woosha? Nothing. <laughs> everything everything dangles on Woosha. <laughs> it's like one part CSI, one part like Pawn Stars, where all they do is they both just dig up. Like a, like an old stash. And like, oh yeah, this court. That's a weird Venn diagram. <laughs> CSI spelled S-E-A. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. I just, I want to see Wuxia riding his back through the ocean. <laughs> Sitting crisscross applesauce as they talk about the past. Oh, that's one turdy I'm not going to stomp. I actually do want to say thank you so much for Mashy to Flash you for the original character of Grimmick Hardback. Uh, Mashy yeah. gave us a huge, huge donation on Patreon. It was just absolutely wild. And, uh, you know, this was their this is their reward, I guess, is the having this character in the world. Uh, you're going to be seeing a little bit more of Grimmick over the next couple of episodes. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy it a lot. It's going to be a heavy romance arc between him and Wuxia. Right. <laughs> Intimate. Well, he's immediately a joy. Yeah. Honestly, my favorite moments has just been the fact that we were able to work this all in together so well. Like the whole evening was just like pretty 
it like it followed a nice cohesion and it was interesting to have like rain popping in here and there. Uh, I've been sitting on that fucking rain reveal for a long time. And <laughs> I, I'm like, I thought you were going to hand me a script at some point and be no, like, this I, is gonna, but no, I'm, I like that. It's, you know, you've committed to the part for so long that this is just now what it is. Yeah. In my mind, it was important to note that, that Maven literally had to live the life of rain. And that at that point he's, he's not what he was. Yeah, now going back to Maven is the vacation. Exactly. But yeah, it's funny. If you go back and listen to some stuff, there's a lot of hints. There's a lot of like little bits. There's like suggestions. And then there's like, especially in the meta, it shows up a lot. Um, but yeah, I really, 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 really enjoyed this episode. I've been looking forward to these reveals for a while. I'm just so happy to be getting this out and be putting these finishing touches on the story of the Fallow Crown. The, the audience is going to shit a brick. Yeah, I'm fucking, I'm amped about it. Yeah, I, I don't know if this was more breathtaking than the Ophidian reveal or not, but it was it was right up there with, <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. with the what the fuck Zach moments. I also like that we got to see the commissioner finally like become a dragon. Yeah. 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 Even if he had to explode to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, you got to do what you got to do. Well, if you don't explode, you're only like a pseudo dragon, and that's a little you, underwhelming. You don't want to be, you want, don't want to turn into a dragon wearing your old self. Yeah. <laughs> No, this this is really great, and I'm really excited about it. Thank you so much, Sam Hediger, the editor, for editing this episode. Thank you, Bree Golden, for all of our amazing maps. Uh, we're going to be coming up on some really exciting stuff down the line. Uh, it's going to be heavy, and this is the third from the last chapter. There are two more chapters after this, and then we will be finishing the series. The flexibility of those chapters might be pretty high. I might have to record an extra episode here or there. Or I might have to cut some down. So things are a little flexible. The date we gave on season three's premiere might have to change. We'll see how it goes. But it'll be after I'm back from my honeymoon with Bree. And hopefully once everything's a little bit more situated and more comfortable. And uh, until next time, we wish you luck. (laughs) 